Well, this morning we come to Genesis chapter 13. So you can go ahead and open your Bibles there. Genesis 13. Today's study will be a little bit shorter than normal, about 30 minutes or so. But last week we looked at chapter 12. And we talked about the faith of Abram slash Abraham. We studied how Abraham uh, did not grow up in a home that had faith in the Lord God, but rather his father, Terah, served other gods on the other side of the river, we're told. But the Lord God spoke into Abram's life, and he followed the words of the Lord God, and he left his homeland, and he went out by faith not knowing where he was going, but we know from the scriptures that God was leading him someplace. God was leading him to a promised land. The land that would belong to the descendants of Abraham that would be birthed through his wife Sarah or Sarai. We saw last week how Abram had faced a time of famine in the land and they had to head down to Egypt for some assistance, for some help. Abram had a moment in his life where his faith wavered in a sense, and he devised a plan that was outside of the will of the Lord. He looked to the outward appearance of his wife, and he feared that the Egyptians would kill him and take his wife. So he devised a plan with Sarah for her to say that she was his sister. Right? Pharaoh would indeed take Sarah and had intended to make her his wife, but the Lord God wasn't pleased with this situation and he intervened and he put a stop to it. Right? And I shared with you how we too go through difficult situations in this life, but we must not devise our own plans. Right? But we instead must continue to walk by faith, trusting in the Lord for our whole journey through this life, knowing that we are just passing through and that this place is a temporary land of ours, right? And that there is indeed a promised land awaiting for us as well as we went and looked at in Revelation chapter 21. But Abram left Egypt a richer man. And with that, we come now to verse 1 of chapter 13. Here where it says, Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife, and all that he had, and Lot with him to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. And there Abraham, or Abram, called on the name of the Lord. So if you can picture yourself in Abram's sandals, right, for a moment here, let's walk a mile in his shoes, as they say. A famine hits in your life. A hard time comes along for you. And, and maybe you don't react quite in the way that you should. Maybe you devise your own plan instead of trusting in the Lord. And maybe we've been 
at that point in our lives in one way or another, right? Maybe for a long time in your life you have wandered to a place that was by your own making, a place that you devised on your own, that was apart from the Lord. And you have been the captain of your own ship, right? The master of your own disaster, you know, as life tends to be without the Lord. But with Abram here, we see that he came back to the place where his tent had been at the beginning. That place where he first called on the name of the Lord when the Lord brought him in to this land. Right? He went off and he fabricated a situation because his eyes were on the wrong thing. But the opportunity was there for him to come back and be in fellowship with the Lord God in the land where the Lord God had for him to be. And the Lord's plan for Abram did not waver even though Abram's faith wavered. And that is what we are seeing in the life of Abram here. And for us, we can learn from this not to waver in our faith, but rather to continue on a daily basis to call on the name of the Lord, no matter the circumstances, no matter the situation, and not look to the outward appearance of things and not look to what's going on around us, but to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. Because again, it's important that we're always mindful of the fact that we are not home yet. We are to be a people that walk by faith in this land here, this temporary land, and not by sight. Okay? This is not the place we are to set up our permanent tent, right? And I'm not sure that mainstream Christianity today understands this all too well. It seems that a large majority of Christianity today has devised a way of life which they can live with one foot in the world, but yet still proclaim faith in the Lord. This has made for a weak and a very hypocritical Christianity. Something that gives the appearance of the Laodicean church that we read about in Revelation chapter 3, that lukewarm an ineffective church that doesn't fully surrender to the Lord. But that's what the Lord wants us to do as individuals, completely be surrendered to Him and never come to that place in our lives where we devise our own plans to go our own way and try and make situations work out the way we want them to, but rather to keep our eyes, like I said earlier, fixed on Jesus, right? And the world and Christianity today seems to be accepting the ways of the world and they call it love. They call it, you know, just reaching out in love and, and trying to give the people of the world what they want. But it's all at the expense of the truth. They leave out the word of God and the facts of the word of God. And the church today, the modern day Christian church, is opening its doors to everything and anything just to draw a crowd and just to have a big place and a big building and, and all of that kind of stuff. It's like the super Walmart of Christianity is what the church has become. A little bit of everything for everybody, just to please everybody, right? But the people of God today are those that are not of this world, right? We have died to the world. We become alive in Christ and we're people of faith who walk by that faith. We are a peculiar people. 
as the King James Version says in 1 Peter 2.9, we are to be a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of Him who has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. You see, that's what the Lord God has done in our lives. He has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. And we are to be a peculiar people that should show forth His praises. That's how we are to live this life, right? So after the problems of the famine here have been alleviated for Abram, he's returned back to that place where he first called upon the Lord. And then verse 5 tells us, Lot also, who went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. Now the land was not able to support them, that they might dwell together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. So here we see mentioned of how great the wealth was of Abram and Lot. They had so much that this one portion or this small portion of the part of the whole land could not contain them both. Not only that, but a situation arose that had to be dealt with. And we read about that in verse 7. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. The Canaanites and the Parasites then dwelt in the land. In the land. So we're not told here what this strife was about, but the end of verse 7 there is kind of intriguing to me. It says that the Canaanites and the Parasites then dwelt in the land. And it causes me to say, what does this have to do with anything, right? But we're going to see that Abram wants to keep the peace here. He doesn't want this strife. And we could possibly deduce that with the Canaanites and the Parasites looking on, that Abram did not want to give a bad witness. We're really, we really don't know what that is, but it just kind of jumps out to me in that way, like that sentence is thrown in there. And oftentimes within Christianity, there are schisms that occur, right? Strife happens, and sometimes the best thing to do is to just move on, to separate. Trust that God has a plan. Abram is back to the place of his first love now. He's back to that place where he called upon the name of the Lord. He's he's going away from devising his own plan, going down to Egypt during the famine, trying to find something. God would have provided for him. God already told him he was going to be blessed. God already told him he was going to take care of him. And God will provide through for us through the situations of life that we face, the circumstances, the hardships, whatever it may be. We just need to keep trusting in the Lord. But Abram is back now to this place, that place where he first pitched his tent and called on the name of the Lord. And we should always be mindful of that, I believe, where we first pitched our tent and called on the name of the Lord, where we first came to the Lord, where we first began to say, this is where I'm settling down now in Jesus Christ with my focus fixed on Him. Life brings us all kinds of circumstances, all kinds of hardships and heartaches that tend to spin our head around and get us looking in every direction, right? And it hurts and it's painful. And what ends up happening, though, is we take our eyes off of the Lord, that place where we first pitched our tent. 
and where we first called on the name of the Lord, and we get distracted from that. But I believe that rather than portray a picture of strife to the Canaanites and the Perizzites, rather than portray a picture of strife to the world around him, by faith, Abram will trust in the Lord and just divide his ways with Lot here and go a different way. And verse 8 continues and says, So Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me and between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brethren. It is, is not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. Or if you go to the right, then I will go to the left. So again, Abram's doing all he can to just simply keep the peace. We are brethren, he says. So in other words, he is saying that we shouldn't act like this toward one another. You see, we need to be mindful of situations like this because they do occur in our lives. We as followers by faith in the Lord God should realize though, like I said, that God will always take care of us. We can trust him. We don't need to fight for our turf. Okay, Abram's not doing that. He's not saying, I want to get what I want here out of this deal. We don't need to fight for our turf, right? We don't need to stake our claim and step on others to be sure that we get what we want and what we can have. Abram does the right thing here. He lets go. And by his actions, showing us that he once again is trusting in God and that God has a plan and a will for his life. But we see something different in Lot here. Look at verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes, and he saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. So what a contrast we see here between Abram and Lot. Abram made for peace, and he told Lot, hey, take whatever you want. I'll go the other way. But Lot, on the other hand, had eyes full of greed. He wanted what he wanted, and he chose that which was the most appealing to his eyes. He chose what looked like the best. He didn't take the humble road that Abram took. He took the, oh, I'm taking all of this good stuff here, right? Abram took the lesser path. He was humble and willing to yield, knowing that God had the best plan for him and his descendants. Last week, I mentioned that it probably wasn't a good idea that Abram took Lot with him on the journey to Canaan. For God had told Abram, leave the land of his father and his family to leave them all behind. But instead, Abram took Lot with him, and this led to this moment of strife here, which was bound to happen, because God's plan didn't include Lot. God's plan was for Abram and his descendants. So have you ever been in a situation like this in your life? I know that I have. I knew the calling of the Lord for my life very early on when I first got saved, when I first pitched my tent with the Lord. I knew what the Lord wanted me to do. I knew that the Lord had a plan for how he wanted to use me. I knew it from the beginning. And I started out on that 
course. But I allowed myself to tweak God's plan just a little bit and fabricate something on my own. And, I, and instead, I hitched my wagon onto the ways of other men, right? Men that had eyes like Lot, that wanted to possess all the good stuff, and they wanted to build their own kingdom. I learned the hard way, and I had to come back to that place myself where I first called on the name of the Lord, the place where I first built an altar to the Lord and said, Lord, I want your will for my life as an individual. But it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else is doing and go in the wrong way. For me personally, I know that God has called me to the simplicity of just simply knowing the Lord personally and growing in the knowledge of the Lord personally. But then also he has called me to make him known through simple Bible teachings such as this. And as the Lord has me in this position, position, I also exhort you to know the simplicity of just knowing Jesus, of keeping your eyes fixed on Him and making Him known and having that deep and that personal relationship with Him that is by faith. Don't look to man to know the ways of the Lord. Don't hitch your wagon to religions, to movements, to doctrines of men and all that kind of stuff. Have a deep and personal relationship with the Lord yourself through His Word because that's how He speaks to us today. A life of faith is not an easy life, but it is a life of simplicity. A life where, like Abram, you are willing to yield knowing that the Lord has a greater plan. That's faith. When you're willing to yield, when you're willing to say, I'm not fighting for what's mine. I'm not going through this strife. I'm not going to have strife in my life. By faith, I know that God is going to provide all that I need. And he's going to lead me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He's going to take me down that path that he wants me to go. I don't need to strive for it. I don't need to fight for it. I just need to do his will, right? Abram was opposite of Lot here. Having eyes that are full of lust like Lot will lead you not to the promised land, but rather to a land like Sodom and Gomorrah, where we know Lot ended up, a place that was worthy of destruction because his eyes of greed took him to that place. Abram, eyes of faith, took him to the will of God. So we shouldn't live in the wisdom of this world, but rather in the wisdom of the Lord. And the book of James in uh, chapter 3 tells us that the wisdom that is from above is first pure. How How do you know the wisdom of God? How do you know the will of God for your life? Well, the wisdom that is from above is first pure, James says. Then it's peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. That's what we're seeing from Abram here. Willing to yield. Willing to just say, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. You go to the right, I'll go to the left. Whatever it is, he's trusting God. And that's the wisdom from the Lord that brings us peace. Internal peace. That we know that God is in control. That's when we have peace. But when we take control, 
When we fabricate a situation because of a famine that comes along in our lives, whatever that famine may represent to us, right? Hard times, troubled times, situations that are just blow our minds, whatever it may be, right? When that happens in our lives and we fabricate the situation, there is no peace. We get chaos and we're out of control, right? But wisdom that is from above is peaceable and gentle, right? And we need to be willing to yield and we need to be full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. This is how we should, if there's any striving at all, which there isn't, but if there's any striving at all, we should strive to live that way. We should fight the fight to live that way, right? Not living lives of hypocrisy and not showing partiality. This is what we now see in Abram here in Genesis 13. And verse 12 continues and says, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent, even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Remember, there were people now that were already populating the land where Abram and Lot had now come into. We saw how from a couple weeks ago, we saw how from the Tower of Babel, all the people of the earth were scattered in different directions according to their languages that God had given them, right? And the people of the earth went right back to their godless ways. And Lot chose the pretty land. But evil men dwelt in that direction, in the direction that Lot took. And Lot kept going further and further. And Lot would become a very important man in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was entrenched in this, in a sense. The lust of his eye led him in this direction. It started with the lust of his eye. And oftentimes for us, that's where it begins as well, with the lust of our eye. Something we see with our eyes that we want, and we fix our mind on it, and we go after it, but it's not the will of the Lord. It's not the direction of the Lord, right? So the people of the earth, like I said, they went right back to their godless ways. Men and women with eyes full of lust. This is what Lot's choice represents to us here in this story. Lot sought to gain the whole world. But in the process, he was losing his soul. And that's what Jesus said for us, right? What profit? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world, but yet lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul, Jesus said? So our soul, who we are internally, that's what God cares about, and that's what we should be seeking after. Then verse 14 says, And the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. Notice with Lot, and this is just jumping into my mind as I read that verse there, but notice with Lot that he lifted his eyes. He chose his way on his own. Here, Abram was told by the Lord, now you lift your eyes. That's a different story, isn't it? When God is speaking in our lives. And we do what he wants us to do. But he says, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For 
all the land which you see I give to you and your descendants forever. So Lot's choice didn't really matter, did it? For the Lord God had a plan for Abram and his descendants. The Lord God told Abram to look in every direction. For all the land was going to be his and his descendants. For how long? Forever. That land belongs to the children of Abraham and Sarah. And God will not be pleased with anything else because when God speaks, God means it, and that land still belongs to the descendants of Abraham and Sarah to this day. Let me show you some verses in Acts chapter 7. Mark this page and turn to Acts chapter 7. These verses just kind of confirm what we're talking about here, but I wanted to point them out to you. Acts chapter 7. Here, Stephen has been caught or been brought, excuse me, uh, before the priest for his faith in the Lord. The religious people were opposed to the lives of the born-again Christians of this day. And they have Stephen kind of on trial here. And starting in verse 2, he says, Stephen says, Brethren and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, get out of your country and from your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to this land in which you now dwell. So Acts chapter 7 here, Stephen gives an excellent history lesson on the children of Israel, the Israelites. And all the way from the time that the Lord God promised Abram that all the land would be his and his descendants, up until this time here where Stephen will be martyred for his faith, the land still belongs to Israel. And all the way up until this present day, that land still belongs to Israel. God will bless those nations that bless Israel. And God will curse those nations that do not bless Israel or that curse Israel. God has a plan for His people. Today, by faith, even we as Gentiles have become His people through faith in Jesus Christ. God has an eternal plan for us as well. A forever plan. A plan that will never change, that God has for us. He has a place for us, a land for us, a promised land where we are going, right? And the the Messiah came as a Jew. The gospel went to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And one day we will be in that promised land, that new Jerusalem, which will come down from heaven. So, Stephen here testifies to the fact, he's testifying to them, this land was given way back, okay? And flipping back now to Genesis 13, the Lord God continues in verse 16, 
Genesis 13, 16, and he says to Abram, and I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth, so that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants also could be numbered. Now, this is quite an astounding promise to make to an old man that has no children. Quite an astounding promise that God would speak this to an old man around 80 years old that has no children. But the Lord God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, we're told in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. You see, the promise that God makes to Abram here in verse 16 is a repeated promise because the Lord God told this very same thing to Abram before, before he even left his homeland by faith. That's what Stephen pointed out when he was, all, when he was still back there, right? Back in Genesis 12 too, we saw where the Lord God told Abraham, I will make you a great nation. That was before he left the land. That was before the land of his father, I should say. That was before he left there, right? Look, there's no doubt that Abram is going to struggle with this promise because it goes against all conventional wisdom. He's an old man. His wife is an old woman. But why would these type of things matter to God? Our God is greater than conventional wisdom. Our God is all-powerful, all-knowing, able to do more than we can ask or even imagine. And God wants us to trust in Him completely. Look at verse 17. The Lord God says to Abram, Arise, walk in the land through its length and its width, for I give it to you. You see, as people of faith, this is what we need to hear. Those first two words of verse 17, arise, walk. Whatever circumstances of life that you have, arise, walk. Go by faith, right? Get up and start doing what God wants you to do, knowing that you can trust in Him and that He's called you to it and that that He has a plan for you. Is there something in your life that just seems like an insurmountable mountain? Arise, walk. But remember, we walk by faith and not by sight. That's how we walk. Do you think that a person that you love so dearly could never come to the Lord? Arise, walk. God is able. He's able to do it. The depth of sin doesn't matter. Your physical limitations do not matter. Don't just sit around and do nothing. God has a plan. Arise, walk. Walk in God's plan. And in verse 18, Then Abram moved his tent and went and dwelt by the the terebinth trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron, Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. So Abram was willing to yield. He was humble. He was a man of peace, right? He trusted once again in the Lord and he knew that he didn't need to go through life devising his own plans as he did during the famine, right? And he knew that God told him that all the land would be his and his descendants. It didn't matter what Lot chose. 
All that matters is what God knows. And we need to understand that in our lives today. It's what God knows about us. It's what His will is for us that we need to lean on. Proverbs 3, 5, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. Okay? All your ways acknowledge Him. When a world around is looking with eyes of lust like Lot did, and they seem to be getting all the good things as it appears that Lot did. You know, Abram could have took that attitude. He could have said, ah, he chose the best land. I wanted that land. But no, he humbled himself. He submitted his life to God, right? If you seem to be getting the short end of the stick, as they say, just know that God's plan for your life will come to fruition, just as it did for Abram. But we must trust in him, and we must continue to walk by faith in him and not by sight. And again, here's this old man getting this promise from God, but he's told, arise and walk. That's what we put our faith in. Not, what, not the limitations of our own thoughts or our own physical abilities or I can't do that or well, that would never be me or whatever it may be. We need to arise and walk. But when we arise and walk, we realize that we're doing so by faith. It's not always going to be clear cut. Abram left the land not knowing where he was going. He left his homeland, his father's land, not knowing where he was going. But he went and he went by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your holy word, God. We thank you that your word speaks to us, that it challenges us, that it exhorts us to live in a manner that is by faith, Lord. That is what pleases you, and that is what you have called us to. And each one of us, we even gather here this morning by faith, Lord, because we can't see you with our physical eyes right now. We can't reach out and touch you right now with our hands. But by faith we come and we gather around your word to hear your will and to know your will for our lives. So Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, your will would be done in each one of our lives. And Lord, that we would, like Abram did here, Lord, just humble ourselves and just yield to you and just let go and and let you have all control of every aspect of our lives, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we go forth into a new week, that your will would be done in every step we take, every breath we take, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to gather here this morning in your name. We just pray all these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen.